Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Blister Podcast. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing, plus all of our other podcasts, over at blisterreview.com. Our guest today is Camille Jacou, the co-founder of Black Crow's Skis. Now, this is Camille's second time on the Blister podcast, and I'd encourage you to check out Blister podcast episode number 64, because it's a really nice supplement to today's conversation. In that previous conversation, I talked to both Camille and Black Crow's head ski designer, Julian Renier, about the history of Black Crow's. And this time around, I wanted to talk more with Camille about what it was like growing up in Chamonix and learning a bit more about his own background in skiing. Plus, we discuss some of the other paths or the roads not taken that Camille might have gone down instead of starting Black Crows with Bruno Compagnier. Then from there, I do ask Camille to kind of give his fresh take on remembering what it was like founding Black Crows back in the day, and we discuss what they've done to grow the brand while trying to stay true to the reasons why they started the company in the first place. And I think that part of the conversation is extremely valuable to anybody thinking about starting anything. So I recommend paying close attention to what Camille has to say on those topics in the second part of this conversation. But ladies and gentlemen, that's not all. Camille and I also discuss the fine but lost art of ski ballet. We talk about who would win today in a mogul competition between Camille and Glenn Plake. And to kick off this conversation, I asked Camille to share his thoughts about this upcoming winter season and what he's kind of expecting. Now, just before we get started, many of you know that Blister is based here in the Gunnison Valley of Colorado. And you know what? You could be based here too and live in the mountain town of your dreams since COVID-19 has dramatically changed how the world does business and many people are now working remotely. So why not live in a place you've always dreamed of? The Gunnison Valley is nestled between four spectacular mountain ranges and it has over 750 miles of biking and hiking single track, world-class skiing, and an award-winning school system. So imagine waking up in your ultimate destination every morning, no traffic, no crowded trails, no more wishing that you lived in the mountains. Here in the Gunnison Valley, you really can work where you play, and to help you get started, just go visit icelab.co. That's icelab.co. And now, let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Black Crow's co-founder, Camille Jacou. Here we go. Well, Camille, how are you today and where are you today? Hi, hello. Um, I'm very well. I'm, uh, I'm in, in, in France, in the south of France. And uh, so it's, uh, it's early October now. And strangely, it's been cold suddenly. Uh, but uh, but everything is beautiful around here still. It's, I'm in Provence, exactly. Saint-Rémy-de-Provence. So a small village in, in south of France. What brings you to the south of France now? Is this vacation? Is this business? 
no vacation, no, no business. No, no, it's just the weekend. I had to, I had to visit my mom, and uh, so I just uh, like came directly from uh, from Chamonix, and uh, I will be back to Chamonix very, very soon. Well, first things first, I guess I'd love to just talk a little bit, maybe about this past winter and when COVID started shutting down ski areas and what this summer looked like for you, how, how have things been going? Me, I was in a, I was three weeks in US until like mid-February back to Chamonix and they started to add some rumor about possible lockdown. And, uh, but us at, uh, at Black Rose, we were on a, on a big dynamic because we were preparing an annual, uh, uh, music festival, the unlimited festival was supposed to happen in uh, in April. So I uh, just back to US was like hundred percent on the festival. Um, but yeah, some rumors started to to appear. Then the and it's been it's been very fast because uh, for us it's starting just behind the border in Italy because uh, they shut down Italy before us and just shut down Milan and Milan is like two hours driving from Chamonix, so very close. And after we heard they shut down like ski resort and we were like, you know, skiing, preparing, busy. Uh, we, we couldn't really imagine that. And after, as everybody knows, it's been like super fast, like a, a big escalade and uh, yeah. And everything, everything shut down. The last day uh, I took my, my, uh, my son for, uh, for a ski day, I took him ski touring, and uh, and the day after everything was uh, everything was closed. But hopefully, I was in Chamonix, so we were very lucky to be there. Um, strange, strangely, the weather literally during like two months in Chamonix, it was like March, April. The weather was like blue sky. It was amazing. <laughs> Like a very good weather to chill and not a good weather to ski, and hopefully we couldn't ski. But it's been crazy because we had a, a small, a light snowfall in two months. It's very strange for for Chamonix. Um, so yeah, very very strange time in here, you know. But uh, but it's good. At, at Black Rose, we everybody's been working from home. Uh, like straight away and uh, and we had tried like everybody to adapt ourselves work from home preparing and trying to close the last season so in terms of business of course it was like uh, the last third uh, has been uh, it's been lost and difficult it was difficult to have a vision on the pre-order for the for this coming winter like but everybody everybody is in the same uh, in the same basket as we as we say in the falls. Well, I've been collecting opinions recently and predictions for this upcoming season. How are you feeling about this upcoming season or what predictions do you have? Maybe I'll ask you specifically about the ski scene in Europe for this coming year. What are your predictions? If if I have the right prediction for the coming season, I think I I, I could uh, I could go to monetize it or something. Like <laughs> yeah. That. No, it's of course it's difficult. The the feeling what what we have, I think all seen it's after the the lockdown at spring. Like people, they were desperate to go out. You know, outdoor, 
to go outside. And, and in, this, in France was, of course, like uh, most of the people we stay in our own country during the, during the summer, um, like mountain resort uh, were like super, super busy. They had like one of the biggest summer. So people, they, yeah, they, they really want to, to be outside. I think outdoor, uh it, it's it's really even something stronger for for people who could afford it after of course the the big question it's for how long people they they will could offer to go skiing if we talk about skiing because skiing is a is an expensive uh, very expensive practice um but for the coming season uh, we heard, we know, for example, Chamonix is no much like booking reservation because people, they, they can't book in advance. You know? they, they're going to wait last minute. Um, of course, probably ski touring for the, the passionate people, for the people who, who, who are not too far from the mountain area. Probably, I imagine, if it's allowed, ski touring it's going to be even a, a bigger boom this coming winter because you you don't need lift you you in autonomy so of course ski touring is going to be is going to be dynamic I imagine but after for the for the main part of the market ski resort thing like that um i will say nobody knows we we we, we think of course it's going to open some resort are talking about maybe to just open a part of the lift um but the next three months i will say until christmas it's gonna be here <laughs> we we will know at christmas you know but before it's going to be difficult because the the virus these days in europe is uh, is, is rising a lot more and more cases, a lot of cases every day and uh, um so i think it's we we have anyway we have to stay conservative uh but after for this winter, uh, if it's possible, I imagine the people, they will go ski. They will go to do it. But after in terms of the effect on the global economy, and I'm not at all an expert in economy, but I mean, um, in Europe, most of the governments have been like supported quite well, the people during the lockdown uh, with social benefits. But... But next year it's going to be it's going to be another, another story. So, so we'll see. But um, but we have to be positive and uh, and uh, and and let's go skiing. You know? Yes, because we're lucky. We're lucky. Yeah. You and I last, you know, recorded a conversation. It was January two thousand eighteen. On the one hand, I, I can't believe how long ago that feels. In our last conversation, we really didn't get to talk too much about your own kind of personal history and background. We were talking quite a bit more about kind of the founding of Black Crows. Tell us a bit about growing up and where you grew up and when you started skiing and a bit about your ski background. Yeah. So it's now it was a long time ago, you know, I'm, uh, now I'm, I'm 46 years old. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, um, I grew up in Chamonix. My dad is a, is a mountain guide. He's the oldest mountain guide in Chamonix who still, uh, uh, who still work, even if he, if he just walk a little bit, but he's 88 uh, years old. 
but my dad, basically, uh, what he was doing, he was uh, he was traveling because he was one of the of the first person to take people into the Himalayas in the 60s. And so roughly all my childhood, it's been a, between um, a lot of traveling uh, or a lot of uh, time uh, alone without my parents because my parents were traveling. <laughs> but uh, really like a lot of traveling in the yeah, kind of uh, mountain environment. And, um, and um, so yeah, we were, we were in Chamonix. Uh, and also, because so it was the it was the the seventies, early eighties, uh, and at that time, Chamonix, uh, it was only mostly summer climbing, mountaineering was was the big thing. And the winter part, the winter, uh, I will say, uh, business of uh, of Chamonix, the skiing was very very small. Uh, thing for Chamonix and and my dad as a mountain guide but he was also a, a ski instructor there was no really uh, there was no really work uh, for skiing in the winter and so he, since the end of the 60s uh, he used to live in Lapline so it's uh, it's two hours driving from Chamonix a big ski resort in Savoie and Lapline was a very at that time very dynamic ski big ski resort and, uh, and my dad was doing some uh, some uh, powder skiing um, uh, session something like that you know uh, so in the winter I was skiing in Lapline rest of the year in Chamonix and, and, and a lot of traveling and so I I started uh, I started uh, the ski club but I started directly I started I think at eight but I started directly with uh, at that time freestyle skiing but freestyle skiing at that time it was moguls aerial and uh, ballet um, and i had a big uh, i will say i had a big hero it was my half brother the first son of my uh, mother who was 12 years old older than me uh, his name is eric laborex and eric has been a uh, Five-time overall the World Cup champion of uh, of uh, combiné uh, freestyle, so he was really into this uh, like crazy time of uh, of the of the moguls aerial ballet at that time, and so me I started yeah like a ski club at at 15 years old I uh, I quit aerial and ballet because I did like eight nine years of uh, uh, no, I think seven years of ballet. Hmm. Um, you see ski ballet, what is it? Yeah, yep. yeah, I imagine you see. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and uh, so at 15, I, 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 I stopped to do only ski, mogul skiing and I, I, I started the French national ski team. Uh, so it was in uh, yeah, 89, 90. Um, yeah, at 16, uh, 90. And uh, and yeah, I started to ski for the for the French team, Europa Cup, and uh, and uh, I was at school, um, not the not the, the the more efficient kid at school, um, but uh, and I started to travel quite uh, fast in Europe for like uh, mogul ski competition, uh, but at that time it was you know like Albertville. Uh, Albertville Olympics in 92, 
the sport was still like very, very dynamic, very exciting. And, uh, and after it, it, it had changed in the, in the mid 90s. I've got to ask you more about ski ballet. Because this is, this is a discipline and an art that, I mean, it just doesn't really exist anymore, does it? No, I think it doesn't exist officially anymore. I think it used to be not official at Olympics, but in you know in, in trail, but it, it never never passed. And yeah, it was very very the level was very high, very very technical. Um, us as a kid and uh, uh, me, I, I, I won few times. The, I don't the, you know the youth category of like to be a. a French champion when I was like I don't know 12, 13 or something like that. Um, it was uh, it was good fun. It was very technical. I think it totally uh, it totally disappeared. But now we see a bit into some kind of uh, in the freestyle new school or more new school now since long time. Huh? But uh, you know there's some like, kind of uh, trend of like uh, I don't know the. These uh, these kids who are doing some funny tricks, uh, playing with the terrain, you know, no poles or you know, it's you know sometimes there's some movement or you know attitude that could be close from ski ballet, and I like it. It's funny. The fact that this discipline isn't around anymore, do you feel like there's a bit of a loss? Or I guess conversely, is there something specific to going through and participating in and training for that discipline that, it, well, if that's not happening anymore, how is that affecting, I don't know, the abilities of big mountain skiers or mogul skiers or are skiers today still somehow getting some of those technical training but in other ways, yeah, I I think from my my point of view, you, you used to know quite well the the freestyle skiing at that time, the old school one, and I really grew up into into that, you know. And the, uh, as I said, I was a kid, I was going to see my uh, twelve years old uh, uh, older brother at the at the first. Uh, uh, world Championship in in Ting in in '86. You know, at that time there was some big sponsor behind those uh, those uh, those freestyle skiing. But I, I all it's it's still there. But same, it's it's something super super niche. Uh, it's like it's really like totally like for a gymnast, and it's people who are doing it are very strong, very technical. But I mean, and and I will say that. On one side, the same thing about moguls because I really used to love moguls, and I still ski moguls. I, I uh, of, of sometimes when we have the opportunity, I go to ski moguls with Blake because we 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 both skiing it. And when you know there's like snow is medium, you go and you have, you have a great time. But uh, but um, no, I think in in this discipline when it was like booming very crazy in the 70s starting to be more structured in the 80s uh structured i mean the 80s but uh it, they they all became or tried to become olympics and they they became with too much rules too much formatted 
too technical, level too high. So we had lost, you know, a kind of uh, instinct, pleasure, spirit of just having fun. And uh, and uh, and when you look at old videos of uh, ski ballet in the in the end of the seventies, thing like that, people they just wanted to have fun and try to do some like crazy stuff. Uh, with like uh, cool music and cool clothes and that's it. But after when it became like something uh, uh, too, yeah, too, with too much rules, too much, you know, it it lost, it has lost its essence. And I will say uh, about Mogul's, uh, as I said, I, I, I still love Mogul's King, but when I see a Mogul's competition on TV, sometimes now for me, it's, uh, yeah, there's not anymore uh, an instinct way of skiing in that. It's just uh, some pre-shaped jumps. The kids are, of course, very strong. They're, they're amazing. But um, but the, the 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 practice at lost is 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 spirit from my point of view. You know, now it became a, a sports for to make to to get points for and and to be in front of judge. You know, so. So, um, and uh, so behind your, your, yeah, your question, I think what we, what we, maybe we, we have lost of what we have to keep, it's, it's kind of a, of a free spirit and, and skiing for fun, even if it's technical, you know, uh, just to get inspiration, maybe of some old stuff, it's, it's fine, but you, you know, in every discipline, I think it's, uh, it's important to keep the spirit and probably in the freestyle new school, you know the level in 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 half in in half pipe uh, is uh, is is amazing. They are so technical. They are so engaged. But of course, to could reach a wider audience that probably freestyle skiing was hoping to do at the beginning in the early two thousand. You know, it ha you have you had you have to keep like a, an accessible side and a fun side and maybe that's what those kids are doing today with some like we can see some like funny videos with just just having fun on on the piece in the park just doing some funny stuff just yeah just skiing you know? it's a great answer my question was i definitely thought you were going to answer more on the side of like yeah, the fact that ski ballet isn't really a discipline that people are training in anymore. But your answer is actually like we've given up a spirit of fun and freedom. No, no, I think the technical, as I said, and I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not a geek about technique thing like that. I'm not, I'm not Junior Anier who was with me at the during our last podcast three years ago. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I'm more into the. The feeling, and the, but I remember when I quit ski ballet at fifteen because I wanted to be specialized in moguls, and moguls was the it, it it was supposed to become Olympic, so it was yeah we it, 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 the dynamic was there, uh, and we were kind of bored about like ballet. And we 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 saw as a as a teenager it was starting to be it was done. Ballet was was a bit over for us, and 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 uh, but. After on on my basic as a skier, it, it's it still can help me sometimes to uh, you know if I uh, if I uh, fall down or have a strange move, maybe uh, my background of ski ballet can help me to to just stand up, you know. Okay, 
my next question is incredibly important. You talked about skiing moguls with Glenn Plake. If we set a competition for, say, this coming February, so you have between now and February 1st to get ready for this, you versus Plake, one run, mogul competition, who's winning? <laughs> yeah, we with with Blake, I, I I don't think we will do it to to uh, to get a winner. I think we will do it just to uh, just to have fun. Blake is very good, you know. He's much more a, a, a showman, of course. He's probably the best uh, to entertain the the audience, even if there's no audience, you know. Uh, so uh, I think I don't remember if he if he still do some 360 or backflip in the mogul. So if he does, probably he will win. Maybe I will go faster than him, you know, but um, but I have to push him a bit. So so we'll see. Okay. So he might he might get you on the backflip, but you might get him on the time. Yeah, on the speed. I, I was I was quite good on the speed and the number of the of 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 turns. When at that time the you know the muggles were not like pre-shaped, it was like you just you had to do your own lines and uh, and uh, and I, I and I used to I used to like that. But uh, but yeah, with with, with Plague sometimes on the on the Grand Monte terrain, uh, we catch up for like some uh, last minute muggle session, and it's still. Uh, it's still very good fun, and and I have in mind to to do more um, like a group mogul session for Black Horse at springtime, just for like yeah, just to just to skin the slush, you know, the moguls. So you did a nice job, kind of quickly touching on your rather impressive background in skiing, including the French national team, etc. But as you're looking back on your life in skiing, what are a couple of the sort of standout moments for you? Yeah, I had, um, but in fact, I was, I was 19, 19 years old. Uh, so still skiing buggers. I, uh, I started World Cup and, um, uh, and I had some, some good, coach but i was a, i was a, i was just a young a bit like wild kid i i used to to be honest i used to love and i still like sometimes to party you know and uh, i just i i wanted to i really wanted to enjoy uh, life and i was very like curious to many things and uh, and to music and to and so I was uh, naturally arrived in World Cup, I will say, without too many efforts. You know, it was, of course, I, I dedicated myself, but I, I was not a hard, really trainer in like uh, physical summer, thing like that. You know, I, I was just, I was just skiing. And, uh, and my coach, I remember at that time told me, Kenny, you can do something. You can do something. Now you're going to get into World Cup, but you stop the nightclub. Be more serious, and um, and I, I told them, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And they told me that at spring and in summer. I remember I was in Ting, and I had spent years to ski in Ting because we used to train there during summer. And my back was not good. Um, I was quite 
quite tall uh, suddenly at, at around like 14, 15. So I had some back problem and the, and suddenly I, I decided to quit. And I, I quit I quit the team. I quit skiing really uh, from one day to another. And I remember I took the leaf down in the summer. There was some bubble at that time, still in team. Go down for the glacier, walk down to my home, took my stuff. And uh, I just said to myself, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna finish my uh, my study at school, and I will see. So it's been very uh, like that, and uh, and and to not be too long on that, I've been to school, I uh, I quit school, uh, and I uh, I had my first love story. I was uh, yeah, it was uh, I was just twenty. I, I, I fall in love with the girls in Paris. I moved there. And for like two years, I, I, I used to live in Paris and London. And I was really into, uh, I'm talking it was like 1994, 95. I was really into electronic music. I discovered that. Uh, rave party, club party, thing like that. So I, was, I, I dedicate like really like uh, two, three years to just enjoying the music, living daily, and uh, and um, but with the French team, I had the I had the opportunity to uh, to get my uh, ski instructor uh, uh, graduate because uh, in France it's quite long to have it. So I had that in 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 uh, I had that, uh, and I was I remember I was in London. I was probably twenty two. And I said, oh, okay, yeah, I could be a ski instructor. Uh, that's cool. So it's winter, I go back. I'm gonna go back to La Plaine because it's winter and uh, and I'm gonna work. I'm gonna make some money and it's it's gonna be fantastic. And um, and I started to work as a ski instructor. I almost did like one full season. And I really discovered a world of, of an aspect of skiing that I didn't know, even if my dad, mountain guide, ski instructor, had many friends, ski instructor, but for me, skiing, it was freestyle, it was competition, it was traveling, it was to, yeah, to be in a, in a national team, so to be a kind of a privilege, and, and it was competition and, and, and risk and challenge. And suddenly, I, I started to teach to some... Uh, some teaching skiing at people like really like snowplow carry them and uh, and I was I think yeah 22 and I took a, a massive uh, uh, how do you say it's like a punch massive punch in my face and uh, and uh, and then when I was teaching I remember I was on the piste and I was every day almost I saw some kids of the ski club uh, some young kids. One of them was Julian Heine. Uh, and at that time, when I was in, in national team, I was a, I was a kind of, a, you know, it's always worked like that. The older, they are kind of bit your inspiration, the model. And, and those kids, they were like, it was now like three years later after I quit. They were like skiing like strong. Uh, and I was looking at them and I really realized that I missed something. I missed something, and uh, and uh, and I did a big mistake, like to quit mogul skiing like that. And uh, and my life as a as a party as a party boy was cool, but it was not. And I realized that I was like 
part of me and I was missing it terribly. And the, and the fact to teach skiing to people, it's, 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 it's a great job, but it was not for me. Me, it was like to be on the, on the, an, another part of, of, of skiing. And for me, skiing was like, I realized it was, it was really a part of my life and it was not a job. It was something I had to do. I was still kind of not too old, but uh, always, I was already feeling kind of old. I was like, okay, I missed something, but I restarted to, um, to ski mogul. Uh, I've been back to the ski club, so I was nobody again. You know, we start from a good ski club, and uh, and I met uh, I met a, a new. There was a new coach, uh, racing background, and you know the, the guy see me and he told me, Camille, if you want, we, we can do something." And and this guy been fantastic for me. He kind of kind of uh, teach me back to ski again and. Uh, and I did, I remember I did the first competition and all the kids were like very young when I quit and I was so much better than them. They were in front of me. And, uh, and for me, it's been a, it's been a very, a very, very good uh, lesson, you know, and, uh, and I, um, I, uh, I started to train and I restart and I've been started to win some like national uh, French competition and I restarted Europa uh, Cup and, and I was thinking, okay, I, I can do it. I started to win some competition. Okay. And it, it's been a, 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 a fantastic like lesson of like to come back, try to not be good anymore. The other are better than you. And, and, and and previously you were you were their model and uh, and um, and so I started to to try to do it and my goal was to to come back in national team. Uh, it was the you know like the the next Olympic in Nagano. Um, uh, and in parallel, what year is this? It was in uh, it was. Like ninety six, you know, I, I really started ninety five, ninety six, uh, and I started until uh, I think I started. Uh, I, I I tried. I mean, until I think ninety, I think ninety six or ninety seven. But yeah, I, I was restarted to do Euro Euro backup, trying to get a space in national team, and. Uh, and I found just for one or two space, you know, the space where it was very hard to get one space. I, I remember it was on one side, it, it's been very hard for me, but I did everything I, I had to. And there was some uh, Tamion talented mogul skier. And one of them again was Julian. <laughs> uh, and Julian's been to Nagano, you know, and he was five years younger than me and he, over talented skier and uh, but I remember the last competition I did so I think it should be 97 last dual competition I did with Julian it was in team I beat him in the half, half final something like that but it was probably my last competition but but anyway after it was it became much but when you see Julian or talk to him on calls is that how you start every call reminding him that you beat him in your last competition. Well, 
you know, anyway, Julian is such a geek. He became so technical. He is as you know. He he he, he think I'm not I'm not a relevant skier anymore at all. You know, it's just like yeah, I can you, you ski on way, but you you know you don't have the right techniques. So I just ski my own way. You know? Is that what he tells you? You don't have the right technique. Yeah. Yeah, because he's so into technique and he's been, you know, he's been into really like racing skiing like the, the past few years and he's, and he's amazing for that because when he's, he's starting to be dedicated to something, he, he go deeply into that. But uh, so, yeah, because me, I, I kept my kind of uh, old school ski moguls technique, you know, and um, and I, I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. And uh, and just to finish on yeah my my background because it's I, I don't want to be too long on that but in parallel in those years yeah like ninety seven something like that you know free skiing like free ride as you, you we used to call it in Europe was like starting and there was one of my very good friend of the of the national uh, team in the past like Seb Michaud. Uh, who you know and some magazine like Skier magazine been created uh, and so there was a kind of another uh, approach of skiing uh, was starting to be dynamic and 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 me when I I, I, I quit uh, uh, I think in 97 I think uh, at the end of the winter uh, I was uh, I was uh, back skiing in Chamonix, I remember, and I was doing a, a, a ski touring trip, I think, in Austria with my uh, with my dad, and uh, and I had a chat with Seb and, and Seb Michaud, and he told me, yeah, you know, I uh, come, uh, let's go to ski together, let's go to do some pictures, and um, and it started like that. And after, roughly, until until I started Black Rose in 2000, end of 2006, uh, I've been uh, skiing as a as a free skier and uh, uh, surviving with that, but I could live with that and 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 I had, I had very good time. Had very good time. Okay, so you've laid out this interesting background, complete with a period where you were very into electronic music and raves and and uh, all the rest. When you're looking back at this winding path of yours, were there one or two forks in the road and you found yourself like, okay, I've got to, I got to take the left path or the right path. And I'm sort of torn. Like, I guess I'm, I could call this like the road not taken path. Do you ever, do you have moments in your life where you think, okay, this is how my life has played out so far. And wow, I could have gone left back at this one point, and it probably would have put me on a very different trajectory. Totally, totally. But it's it, it's part of what I mentioned previously. I was uh, I was living in London more as a as a yeah day to day more as a as a clubber, and 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 music, electronic music, was something kind of very dynamic and fantastic at that time. But I had no perspective except i was very curious to to culture in general to art thing like that but I, I was away from skiing and the fact to just be back to the mountain become temporary ski instructor and and get this massive uh, slap in my face that the 
that I took the wrong decision to um, to to quit skiing a few days ago and I missed something. So if I if I didn't try it again, I will regret it all my life. And uh, and I tried it again, and uh, and I probably after I did again some mistake in my kind of ski career. And but at the end, I I created a ski brand. We have today to talk about skiing and. Uh, and so that that decision to, if if I'd stayed in London at that time, uh, I had no idea what uh, I, I, I will uh, I will I will become seriously. But but with the background I had and the link to the mountain and the the kind of the the freedom aspect of life that my parents teached me and the traveling and all that, it's you know I, I had to come back to the mountains. Okay. So the road not taken might be if you'd stuck with the electronic music scene, you might have a DJ gig tonight starting in like Berlin or Milan at like 2 a.m. That That's where you could have been. Um, I'm not sure. I think I was too dedicated to the dance floor okay. oh. <laughs> to like to, to, to be uh, to be uh, to to become a to become a DJ and to really go into that music. But after all, now this music, yeah, it became like a massive, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a massive industry. It's very, very popular too. And, and uh, um, but maybe, why not? <laughs> why not? There's still time. It could be the next chapter, maybe. We hope you stay in the ski world, but, you know, we, it's good to keep options open. But most most of the clubs and events, you know, are shut down. That's true. Maybe so, maybe don't maybe don't make that change right now. No, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna stick with ski okay. for the, for this winter. We'll see. So let's talk a little bit about the founding of Black Crows. And I mean, we did cover you know some of this ground in our you know conversation a couple of years ago. Let's just have you paint the picture a little bit. You've painted a great picture so far, by the way, and this interesting transition from, you know, one, it's really hard for me to like not think about Chamonix as just this mecca of ski mountaineering. And you're talking about when, you know, in the 60s and early 70s, it's like ski mountaineering wasn't the big thing in Chamonix that had yet to pick up. We've talked about this movement from ski ballet, kind of the rise and fall of ski ballet, and then like the start and the birth of free skiing, free riding. So you've definitely seen a lot of interesting chapters like in the history of, of skiing. So talk to us a little bit about this decision to then start a ski company. So you're going you're gonna to make me feel old that I've seen all the <laughs> chapter of the... <laughs> Experience, <laughs> but, uh, Ex not not old, just experience. No, that's true. I, I grew up, uh, I, I grew up there, and 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 Chamonix has been very cosmopolitan. I've seen a lot of things as a as a kid, and especially with my with my dad, deeply uh, involved into mountaineering and skiing. So, no, no, I've seen um, I've seen different uh, different chapters. But after Black Rose, it's uh, yeah, I, I, I was still. Living and skiing uh, uh, a lot in Chamonix at that at, at those years, uh, like 2005, 2006, uh, with Bruno Compagnet, the other uh, uh, skier founder, um, 
we we were probably during 2004, five, six, we did two trips, three Malaya trips, things like that. But rest of the time, we were like skiing most of the time in a, in a, in Chamonix. And uh, and me, why created the ski brand? Uh, it was not at all in my plan. Because um, as, I, as I said, I love skiing, but I love practice skiing. And I was not really dedicated to the to the to the product itself you know so i'm 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 i'm, I'm, I'm talking to you and, and you're an expert in gears i was not i was i was uh, doing some uh, kind of consulting uh, for like brands on on product a bit but really as a on the terrain on the snow you know not really as a as an engineer or, or thing like that and uh, and, uh, and and black rose it's been why we started it's been really like a, a, a an instinct uh, project you know with no no plan no marketing plan just the just the the desire to like try to do a good product and trying to create like a uh, an identity a brand that we will like and we will have fun to carry and we'll be proud of it, you know, to use it on the terrain. But it was really a kind of, a, on one side, a kind of, a, a, not a selfish, but try to do a product, a product for us, for ourselves, I mean, but also really to, uh, in the idea to say, okay, but we, we're gonna design a, a, a ski who is gonna be, it's gonna be, it has to be fun. It has to be for the good skier, but also it has to be for the, uh, what I say in general for my family around me, for like the, yeah, if like a medium skier can have fun and improve with it, so okay, it's maybe we can try to do something like that. I love that we started a company with no plan. <laughs> That's great. No, it was it was no it, it, it there was no really plan because it, this project started after uh, during a dinner, the conversation, you know. And at the end of the dinner, uh, because we said, okay, you have some money, Camille, you have some money. Tomorrow you go to buy a pair of ski. Which pair of ski is it? Um, and we were like three people on the table. And there was some, technically some good ski on the market. So I'm talking, it was 2005. So the ski were already, there was fat skis. Uh, it was, yeah. And uh, so classic Comber, the, Freestyle backcountry was kind of the thing was booming a bit in terms of shapes. Uh, so for us, it was really more a skill about like free riding, ski in Chamonix, long turn or small couloir, ski fast. And uh, uh, so there was some good ski on the market, but nothing like, wow, it's the ski I want. But also in parallel, there was not like a brand who was for us like, Oh my God! What is our next collection? I'm dying to see it, and it's it's you know, and we saw okay, but maybe we're not alone, and and let's check the market, and we started to check the market. I mean, the market we literally been into like the sports ski shops in Chamonix at Snell Sports and Coco's Sports, and uh, look at everything, and we tried everything, and. Uh, and uh, and yeah, it's just you know we just get some information to 
to some friends who were like into the, the ski industry and try to ask how much does it cost to produce a ski? How much do you sell it? Okay, so okay, maybe. Uh, and the other founder, Christophe, who are more like an industrial and business guy, say, okay, guys, we can do we can do it, uh, and we we started like that. I still love that when companies are born out of that just very real passion. And that, that seems like I'd rather, I'd rather talk to somebody who started a company that way than somebody who just did a very analytical five-year plan and modeled some stuff out. But that's just me. Yeah, no, no. But in, in, well, also, I, well, I'm not talking about such a long time ago, but it was like now... Uh, like yeah, 14 years ago. Um, so the world 14 years ago was also different and social media, they were just started. Um, so yeah, the, the, the world was different. And uh, But us, we, what we knew is we wanted to, we didn't want and we were not with Bruno, we were not like a, we were good on snow to know what we wanted in terms of of uh, of, of filling with the ski of, of goal. Uh, we were not like technical. We were not shaper. So we 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 did a combination on on a paper in terms of uh, of sizes and camber and things like that of what we wanted. But what we knew is we wanted to work with with the good factory because we wanted to not do more. To not do only a, a ski brand for our friends and the the the, the skier of the first leaf in uh, in in Sham, even if they need to have black rose and and, and and still today, I want that we still need the first skier in the in, in, in the gondola in the morning. Um, but we wanted like to to really go into a, I will say I don't know you say that like a, a, a production to work with like. The good factories to could have a, a quality of product in terms of uh, yeah like general quality in terms of durability and in terms of details design finishing everything to have like to could to be as good as as the as the big brands the big players and um, so that one that how we I will say we build our foundation in terms of I will say. I don't know if it's a business, but I think it's part of it. And also in parallel, it was really to, okay, we, we, let's create a, a brand, something we like, a strong identity. I uh, mean, I really wanted to have some like uh, a graphic design that you, you see, to, you remember it. And and so I think all those uh, foundation, I think are, are, are kind of part of a business plan. But after, of course, for the, but it was just naturally and uh, and and in parallel. But we had to learn how to sell ski and and or to find people who could sell our skis. And uh, and uh, and we we just been we had like three skis probably in uh, in total. We had like less than ten pair of skis uh, worldwide <laughs> produce. And we've been with Bruno. We we rented the van. We've been to ISPO in Munich, the big, big trade show, uh, February 2007. And we, we had some friends in Munich. Uh, they, they find us some, some cool black vintage furniture design. We put it uh, 
uh, some black walls with stick or skis on the wall and uh, and uh, and that was our business plan we started like that but uh, but all the the product were like a bit uh, uh, they were um, a bit different from the other in terms of visibility you know the graphic were the black rose identity was already there it was strong uh, it was a statement and that's really what we wanted so people they were they just got curious and said what is it and after our second job was on snow go on ski demo take people ski and try and word of mouth and of course the also the the, the work with our local friends skiers ambassadors a uh, lot of ski bumps uh, but people who are credible you know in the resort and you, you give one pair of ski you know it's hard for you to give one pair of ski but but black rose business plan was like that you know there was no we had no investment except all of us we put like two thousand to buy to to buy a first mold and after second molds and uh, and uh, and that was the business plan but we started to get order and we set up the company and we took people who could manage well a company in terms of uh, um, finance because Bruno and me uh, it's 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 not and it's still not our asset uh yeah and 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 it's that 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 was the the, the business plan so you're 14 or 15 years in with black crows and i i mean you have i i love hearing you talk about like the brand and brand identity and that was one of the things i really enjoyed about the last conversation we had i want people to go listen i was asking you and julian about design and some of your design influences and and that was such a interesting part of that conversation so people go go back and find that episode um on our blister podcast that's worth your time but right now with where black crows is at where do you personally spend most of your time i guess i want to use the word worrying i'd say from you know from an i guess outside perspective it still feels like there's a very strong brand identity there but where do you think this is where I want us to do better, or I really want to see the company move in this direction, or is that is that a product thing? Is that a manufacturing thing? Is is it a brand thing? What keeps you up at night? Yeah, well, m- m- many things keep me up at night since the not since the beginning, but the the thing is, yeah, I think Black Rose we it will be our fifteen years anniversary in two thousand twenty one. You know, so. <laughs> We will probably we will do a party and, and, and probably other things. Uh, but we know what's it's, you know, we are still such a, a small company in terms of, uh, of resource of people. It's, it's still, uh, it's this small, but we took, uh, we took uh, uh, a, a part of the, in the ski market in terms of independent ski brand uh, in different categories. Not only uh, I don't know in big mountain skiing, but also uh, in ski touring in all terrain, and uh, um, so uh, I will say we are a bit popular. Maybe you know we are still part of the niche market, 
but we are a bit popular. Uh, but with Bruno, since the beginning, as I said, we wanted to, we had in mind and we had no perspective at all. And Black Rose has really been one year after another, one year after another. And of course, now we have some more, we have more some finance behind, we work with the bank. So of course we need to provide a, a free, for, free years um, business plan and, and, uh, and, uh, but it's been very, very instinctive in terms of, of development of product. But today, if we are popular, I think, or a little bit popular, uh, I hope with my English French, it's, 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 a, it's a right word to, to use. Um, but, um, but with Bruno, we wanted that. We wanted to do some product for our family. Today, me, I have my kid and, 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 and my parents who ski black hole. And, uh, and on one side, I think for me, it's, uh, it's great and they have pleasure. And, and that's our purpose to, to create some, some, some product for, 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 for pleasure. Um, but my concern, I would say, it's to, we have to stick and we have to challenge ourselves. We have to stay what we are, what we were. And I hope we still, we still what we are. I did a, an internal exercise a few months ago about that. Uh, I, I, I took some uh, uh, actions and what was Black Rose in 2008, what we were doing at that time. And I, I realized that at the end, now it's kind of bigger, but it's, we are still doing the same thing and it's still hard. It's still sometimes very painful uh, because we are just few people. Our team is growing in terms of, uh, of, of sales, of back office, things like that. But, uh, uh, but to do the brand, uh, no, of course, we have to stay what we are. I mean, my... Uh, uh, what I want to be really focused on now is to be sure that we 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 are still the brand we wanted to be, uh, and for that, you know, it's, are we still making good product? Uh, the product we launch are still making sense, and are, are we still doing in the same way? Of course, sometimes we fail and we probably did some mistake or some product were not good enough. Of course. But uh, uh, we really stay to, yeah, to, to, to stick to that, to that point. And, uh, and in parallel, as I said, we, you know, to, um, to really uh, uh, go back to check if our like, local ambassadors are still there, if the you know, people from the early time are still there. And, and some are not, some are still, and uh, and, uh, and, uh, and and for me, yeah, the the thing is to we have to to still stay credible uh, because anyway we are in the ski market. Huh? It's it's a very it's a, it's a small business. It's a tough business, as we as we all know, and uh, and it has to be made with passion. And, uh, and if we lost this passion, if we lost this, this passion, if we lost this credibility, if you know, uh, like someone is going to tap on the shoulder of Bruno Company and tell him, well, Bruno, I think you're a bit too old, like to, to ski or to use your product or your product, they're not very good, you know, it, it didn't happen yet. And so uh, I would say me, my, 
what I'm, I have to be on and what I'm on, it's to, to be sure we are still thinking, developing product to make sense for our vision of skiing. And, uh, and, and, and I think we, yeah, and, and, and we need to, we, we've been working very, very hard. And sometimes, you know, you work too much and you, you're losing the thing. And, uh, and in, even in terms of, of everything, I don't know, content, event, whatever, we have to, we have to challenge ourselves and say, okay, skiing is, skiing is fun. We are so lucky especially in this in this world in this crazy world we are so lucky to good ski so let's let's doing the thing well let's doing like good product and let's make like trying to give good fun to people you just dropped a lot of wisdom in those last few minutes of of talking i i feel like that could just be packaged up and you used in those business classes about how to start a company and how to grow a company and being worried about maintaining that original identity and yet also having to grow and how you grow in ways that actually do feel sort of consistent with that initial brand identity, even if they're things that you had no conception of when you started the company, right? I think that was all very well said. And so people should probably go back and, and listen to your answer to that, to my last question several times, if, if they're probably trying to start anything in the world. I, I was talking a lot. I probably, I lost myself somewhere, but. Uh... No, I, I mean, I'm, I was just nodding along the whole time in thinking about our kind of journey, you know, here at Blister. This is the kind of stuff that I want to know that founders of companies are thinking about, Right. What does it look like to grow in the right way? Are we still staying true to that kind of initial inspiration or passion we had, you know, for starting a company? How do you expand your base in the kind of right way? And what does that mean, the right way as opposed to the wrong way? And I think you just you just touched on a lot of that. So I'm I'm giving you a gold star for that answer. No, but you you know just to 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 tell a bit more about that again, you know, like it's uh, we we with with Bruno we 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 had spent we've been lucky to have spent a, a lot of uh, skiing days in uh, in Sham uh, to really take the first gondola, trying to do the first tracks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And at that time, it was less busy, and there was. Uh, there's no social media, the run were less well known, etc. etc. But I mean there were some people at that time when we started Black Rose. They 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 took our skis and those people they are still dedicated uh, most of the time to skiing and uh, and 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 today they still use our product. Uh, and if they if they if they don't use it anymore, it's 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 to me and Bruno to to understand why, but I think most of them today they they still not only because or some of them they got it for free, but but I mean no, I mean there's some you know there's and and for us it's very important that and Black Rose it's also that that we were not like a, a brand for the use you know and uh, and we we own a lot to the brand where like 
I will say for the for the youth, like because they show us the way, like Armada, Forefront, etc. You know, when when we started Black Hole, the comment we had it was, "What you you you're gonna do a new ski brand, but ski industry is dying. It's uh, you're crazy." But there was those like mo most of them, like yeah, American brand. They just show us, and we were older than than those uh, than those 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 kids. It just Tell us it's possible to do it, and uh, and we did it. But we really did it to try to make something we believe in it, and uh, and that's why today, as I said, me, I'm, I want to I, I want to be sure that the in in some like key ski spot in the world, we 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 still have some uh, some passionate skier who use our product just for the product, and they don't care about. Some of them they don't care about the branding, the design, the content on the social media, or this amazing last uh, you know POV footage, whatever. It's fantastic, but I mean, yeah, you, they're just using the product and and they, have, they 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 find what they need with it, you know. And uh, and and that thing, if you if you if you stick to that, if you don't sell, uh, I would say bullshit. It's you, 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 you have to, you have to keep you have to keep going. What's been the most fun or the most rewarding part of your Black Crow's journey? Well, of course, I, I had I, I had I had some great moment and uh, and I mean the you know when sometimes you have some just people who come to see you and just tell you, uh, well, I. I I, I I love your skis. I have amazing time with it, and and thank you so much. And you're in the you know you're in the line of of the lift or something like that, and and you just you know you of course you feel a bit embarrassed because said so, yeah that's uh, that's great you know that's great because you see like the yeah the the the, the passion for skiing in the in the eyes of the of, of the person and the, and it just. Uh, it's at the end it's something very simple but you say wow that's that's that that's that's that, that, that's funny and that's great you know uh, of course i have some uh, i have some uh, some anecdote where like uh, like uh, yeah people they just they just have like a, a, a lot of pleasure with the, with with uh, with your product and they that they need to share it you know um and uh, once i was at the i was at the our, our music festival the limited festival in chamonix it was at the at the last edition unfortunately not last winter but the previous one 2019 and uh, and and there was this group of uh, of uh, uh young uh women's skiers from uh Slovenia and they travel all the way to the to the festival uh, and to really they were like literally and the, the idea of the festival it was to create an event where you can bring more people around like mountain skiing and some of them they ski some of them they don't there was this group of uh, of skiers they like they, they they booked the whole trip they came to Chamonix by car uh, they were like Trying to do most of the parties, staying uh, uh, late at night, and uh, and uh, it was like probably like I don't know, like three a.m. 
there was a Adriatic, like a, a, a group of DJs playing, and uh, was with people having good time, and and those group of of uh, of uh, of people arrive, and they tell me, hey, uh, Cami, uh, uh, we saw Bruno over there, but uh, tomorrow morning you have to wake up huh, because we ski together at eight a.m. In Italy, because there was a, a, a day booked to go to ski with Bruno and me in Italy, and uh, and uh, and so it was at the end for Bruno and me. It was very funny because previously, what Bruno and me, what we were doing, we were like skiing, having good lifestyle, and and uh, and uh, and surviving with it. But we were, yeah, we we had good time. And three years later, there was this event that uh, that uh, been created also. People having fun, and they just ask you to just not go to bed too late because they want to ski to tomorrow with you. You know, so. that's pretty good. Yeah. Hey, this is fun, but can you go to bed? I want to ski tomorrow. Yeah, and uh, and it's been it's been hard to wake to wake up, you know, because we are we are much older now. But we've been skiing, and in plus there was there was fresh snow, so it was uh, it was funny. It was very funny. I have two last questions for you. What Black Crow skis do you personally spend the most time on? Uh, that's that's a good question because um, <laughs> I, I, I have the choice because our range is uh, is, is 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 wide now. Um, but I will say I'm I'm back uh, I'm I'm back to the original skier. The shape is different, of course, but I'm I'm back quite a lot to the Corbus uh, since uh, since we did it uh, two years ago. Now it's a flat camber with a bit of metal in it, but a uh, uh, little bit. I mean, I'm not to a metal. Uh, guy in terms of, of construction I, I get I get it hurt my legs you know I would say but uh, no yeah I'm back to the I'm back to the Corvus uh, ready for the for the when there's no fresh snow like so uh, many days in Europe to really ski because it's it's very powerful but with this flat camber it's a uh, it's 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 very efficient and you feel strong i feel uh, i feel uh, i feel uh, i was stronger than I, I used to be these past few years with that ski because it gives you a strong uh, a strong feeling but of course i use it with with real ski boots and and alpine bindings no no hybrid nothing just just classic uh but i've i've really a, a, a Great time with it. A great time. So I use I use a lot of the the Corvus in, in a shorter size now, you know, in eighty three, but um, not sorry in eighty eight. In eighty eight. Wait, wait. And, you uh, you're skiing the the hundred eighty eight centimeter most of the time, or the one hundred eighty three centimeter most of the time. Eighty eight. Eighty. Okay. Yep. Eighty eight. Yeah. No, no, eighty eight. But when is when we started? But the, the ski was more narrow. And when we the first ski we launched in 2006 was a 196 Corvus, but 103 under the under the foot, classic camber. And the actual one is 110 under the foot, but uh, I have 188, 10 centimeters less. But I have more than 10 years more. 
what was funny, I was going over our write-up on the Corvus, the current Corvus for our buyer's guide. I think that was at 2 a.m. this morning. I was doing that. Okay. And I think everything you just you just said about that ski and why you like it, I think you'll like the paragraph that Luke Coppa and I had put together on it. I think it's very consistent with some things you've just said. So, yeah. So I'll I'll just leave it at that for now. But you can check that out. And I I think uh, yeah, I think it's in uh, line. That's that, that that's funny. The yeah, a, a, a ski would make me feel young again. I would say you know, but a powerful, you know, on the on the compact snow and. The, it's very grippy, it's very aggressive, but it's 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 spiraled fast and it's usually it's really this kind of alpine touch, but with a flat comber and kind of comfortable feeling. So it's uh, no, no, I don't. that's good. I, I will I will read, read that with pleasure. Last question before I let you go, and it's getting late out there in the south of France. I think we're. I'm sorry, I've kept you. It's it's uh. Sunday evening. Yeah, appreciate you taking the time. What's the best question that I haven't asked you yet? Um, no, first of all, th- th- thanks to you. Yeah, it's it's eight p.m. now in, in dark in France, but uh, but I'm, uh, I'm 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 very happy to, to 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 discuss with you. I don't know. I think I've been talking a lot. I'm not very good to to answer to what is the what is the the the, the question missing. Maybe just uh, just one quick comment on the on the on the day on the actuality because uh, uh, I've seen uh, that on the, on social media that apparently like uh, Powder Magazine and the group Powder Mag was like uh, down. It's over and uh, and uh, and I'm not gonna go to uh, to talk about if uh, if 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 Powder in terms of uh, editorial etc was in the right direction if it has been changed you know but but i mean the message behind behind all that uh it's it's uh, it's 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 bad because uh especially me talking from europe and and uh, i used to run a, a ski magazine uh, uh still with julian and I, like uh, like uh, but like 10 years ago and something like that we 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 stopped it but if i look today the 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 ski media in Europe, it's it's very hard for them. The audience is uh, is not big. It's it's difficult, and and uh, and uh, and me when we 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 started Black Rose, I, I realized when we started to go in uh, in, uh, in North America, then the the media there, the ski media were still they still had a voice. They were still important and. Uh, and much more to Europe, huh? believe me, much much more to Europe, and uh, and uh, and I think our industry and uh, and the skier and the youth and stuff they need they need uh, they need media. There's online, of course, but we you know we ideally we need magazine, but I mean we need people who are dedicated to it. And and uh, and just to finish on that, me I, when when I was young, you know the. Uh, to could see a polar, uh, uh, polar Mac uh, cover, you know, in the in the in the nineties, I think like that. It was something like so excited every time and so rare to could just see a copy, you know. 
um, and uh, and yeah, just I think you know the industry, the media, the the, the company, and the, of course we are in, in a, the the world is changing, and we are in a in a big storm. But uh, but I think it's important that we we still get different voice, we still get a different type of publication because it's. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's it, it's key, you know. It's key, and and I know our practice is made with images. Of course, social media are great for that, but it can't be only that. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that's yeah, that was just my thought of the day because it's uh, it's um, it's yeah, it's a, it's 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 a bit shame in general. Well, Camille, I'm very glad we connected for another conversation. Let's. Uh... Let's not go almost three years again. Hey, best of luck with this coming season. Thanks for sharing your your background and, and filling us in a bit about how you're thinking about Black Crows these days. And uh, yeah, this has been really fun. So thanks again. And I'll take to you, Jonathan. And thank, thanks so much. It was very, very nice. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you. Bye-bye. Ciao. Well, that's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. Thanks to Camille for the conversation. And of course, you can go to the Black Crows website to check out their current lineup of skis. And then you should also check out Blister Podcast episode number 64 to hear more from both Camille and Julian Renier about the history of Black Crows. And you can also go check out episode number seven of our Gear 30 podcast, to hear me talk to Camille and Julian about ski design and how Julian thinks about mount points and more. So we'll include links to those episodes in the show notes to this episode, and then you can go geek out on all things Black Crows for like several hours. Okay, I also want to say thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing this episode, and thanks to you for listening. Now, please take good care of yourself and everybody else, and we will talk to you again real soon.